Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, your host, and if you've arrived here, there must be a reason. I'm guessing you're curious to learn more about improving your wellbeing alongside ADHD, or maybe looking for some advice or guidance to feel healthier and calmer. So, why start this podcast? I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and I discovered my own ADHD alongside one of my daughters at the age of 40. And now, after supporting many other women just like me, and probably you, I feel there's a need for more emphasis on well-being and lifestyle help for women with ADHD. And through the podcast, I want to offer you new insights and perspectives to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and balanced life. So wherever you are on your ADHD journey, my aim is to support you in finding the awareness and the most aligned tools to enhance your well-being so you can make the most intentional mindset and lifestyle choices moving forwards. Ready to get started? Here's the episode. So hi everyone, welcome back to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. And today's guest is Nicole Goodman. She is a friend of mine. I've interviewed her before on The Ambitious Mum, and she is amazing. So Nicole is a women's wellness coach, and she is host of the brilliant Self-Care Club podcast. And I'm so happy to have you back on so we can carry on all our amazing chats that we do via WhatsApp, voice notes, all of that. <laughs> and it's just great to have you on and see you in, well, I say see you in real life, but see you on camera. It's lovely to see you, Nicole. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm really excited about this new podcast. It's been very well received. You should feel really proud of what you're building here. It's great. Oh, thank you. And listen, you know, in terms of podcasting, your podcast is doing absolutely brilliantly. I love it. And so many of the conversations that you're having on the Self Care Club podcast just resonate hugely with me. And I know they would with my audience. And actually, it was on your podcast that I heard Nancy Levin talk about boundaries. And I'll never forget that she was my first guest on this podcast. So thank you for that. And I never forget listening to that conversation that you guys had about boundaries. And it was just so many like lightning bolts from the sky of just like revelations of why did I not know this? You know, I'm 41 years old. Why did I not know this information beforehand? Yeah, she does. She brings nugget after nugget after nugget. It's almost like anytime I speak to her, I need to have a notepad and a pen whenever I'm around that woman. She is a total inspiration and a powerhouse in terms of standing up for how you want to live, how well you want to live, standing up for what you believe to be right, and just basically living by your own rules. She's incredibly empowering. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to go back and listen to the podcast, it's mine's on uh, the first episode, and I'll make sure that we put a link to the show notes from your podcast. And what you say there actually leads us into straight into the conversation, Nicole, because your background, and this is what I wanted to talk about, it's multifaceted, it's multi-passionate. But you started off around the women's empowerment, didn't you? Sort of women's confidence and and coaching women around um, speaking up for yourself, standing in your power, learning how to have confidence to ask for what you want. And I know that you've sort of migrated into more of the wellness area. But can you tell me a little bit about from being a hairdresser? I think you worked and did you work on TV shows or in the TV industry? Yes, I had a very uh, dynamic hairdressing career for many, many years. Yeah. And then went slowly into 
coaching and then into podcasting. Yeah. So I always think that when you have found a great hairdresser, it is almost like having a bit of a coach anyway, because you end up divulging all sorts of things to your hairdresser and having conversations, perhaps like really intimate conversations that you perhaps wouldn't even have with a friend or a loved one. Did you find that's maybe where it started from? Oh, absolutely. I mean, felt like such a natural progression to go from hairdressing into coaching and absolutely as you say people confided in me because I was a regular person in their life that they would see say once a week or once every six weeks but I wasn't part of their life I didn't know their friends I didn't know their family and yet we were still very connected as women so they felt it was a very safe space for them to tell me what was going on and we would talk very openly And so the coaching felt like such a natural progression to then, actually, I want to build some proper skills around this. I want to be able to listen properly and to work with women in how to get the most out of them or get them to where they need to be rather than just sort of giving my really probably really rubbish advice most of the time. And funnily enough, when I did the course, and it was a two-year course, it was quite a serious commitment One of the things I noticed that because you do it with the same group of 25 people, and one of the things I noticed that most of the people in that group, most of the 25 of us really struggled to speak up, really struggled to be direct, to say the honest truths, the hard truths to their clients, because that's what coaching is about. And that was the bit that came the easiest to me because I'd worked with women for so many years to be direct, to say, actually, I call bullshit on this and to really stand in what was true and to be able to speak my mind that just came so naturally (laughs) my husband doesn't love it quite so much but you know my (laughs) clients seem to benefit no I love people that speak sort of directly and honestly and you definitely do do that but so many women I'm going to speak for myself and my audience is that When you've got ADHD, you've probably spent a lot of your life people pleasing, trying to kind of mold yourself into into a place or a person that you feel is an acceptable person in society. And that leads to not wanting to offend people, the people pleasing. And we end up masking a huge part of ourselves. We don't show our authentic self. We want to hide behind what we believe sort of society wants from us. And I know from speaking to lots of my clients, that's a kind of a running theme when inside they're screaming and there's a huge amount of sort of suppression and repressed emotions. And actually they just want to be more of their authentic self, but they've been told from a very young age to stay quiet or not to embarrass themselves or who do they think they are. I know that this is kind of like your line of work that you've been in for quite a long time. So how do we move from this conditioned state of people pleasing that's just been part of our life where we get this wake up call? And very often it is with an ADHD diagnosis of recognizing that we don't have to be the same as everyone, that we don't have to have the same outlook and messaging in life and that we can start standing a little bit more in our authentic power. Like, where do we even begin? I love even the line of the questioning because even in that there's permission there, isn't there? There's permission to be yourself, permission to be a bit different, permission to be authentic, permission to be honest. And we did a week on the show of how to stop people pleasing and it was totally eye-opening. So the first thing I would say is definitely go and check that one out because it's a very funny, very informative episode. I, I listened to that. I listened to that and I loved it. 
because I remember if it's the right one, was it about your co-host having to say no to some of her clients and she had a particularly yes. kind of tricky client. Diffi- she had a difficult client yeah, and felt bad because this client wanted her services. And actually, because we were doing a week of no people pleasing, she actually said politely and compassionately said no. And she was so empowered just by doing that. I think what we really uncovered on the show and what I talk to a lot of my clients about when it comes to people pleasing, because it's a universal issue, isn't it? We struggle, especially women more so than men, because women are told to, as you said, be quiet, be polite, be less, don't be embarrassing, just stay quiet and stay small. So we're taught that from a very young, early age. And what we really uncovered on the show and what I do with all my clients is it's not about the people pleasing itself. It's about working on the disappointing others, working on being okay with not always being likable, working on being okay with not always being agreeable. So it's working on how the other person is viewing you and you being okay with the fact that you might disappoint someone else. It's not about the act of people pleasing. It's about the fear of what will they think? Will they think less of me? Actually, sometimes it's okay because we're so tuned into what the other person is thinking about us. We don't take a minute to say, well, what do I think about them? Or what do I think about their behavior? Because it's always, oh no, I don't want them thinking this, or I don't want them thinking badly, or I don't want them to think that I'm difficult, or I don't want them to think that I'm loud or I don't want them to think that I'm assertive, aggressive, whatever the word is. But actually, it's okay if not everybody likes you or not everybody agrees with you. And I think it's that piece, just getting comfortable with the fact that you might disappoint others. Well, you will disappoint others. By standing in your authentic truth, you are going to be disruptive. And it's it's about being okay with being a disruptor. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. And you know what I was thinking when you were saying all of that is that we're so conditioned, aren't we, as women to want to be likable and to be agreeable and to not offend people. And I have had numerous conversations over the years with my husband about this. And he's like, why do you care? I just kind of think it would be so great to live in this sort of black and white world of where men do definitely have more of that kind of like, they don't like me, you know, whatever, where women overthink and ruminate and that one tiny little thing that you possibly said wrong, or maybe you did assert yourself or you did disrupt something because you felt it was important to do so. You then, your power's then taken away because you sit there going, well, they probably don't like me anymore. They're probably talking about me. And it's just kind of, it's so hard, isn't it? Because you're trying, I think, very often we kind of take two steps forward. We do the thing that's really scary, like the, I'm going to say what I want to do and have my boundaries. But then we take two steps back because then we fear the outcome. We fear the repercussions, the ostracization, the rejection, all the things that can come. So primal, isn't it? And that's why you have to then get really strong and really courageous. And as I always say to my clients, pull that brave card out your back pocket from your jeans and say, well, what do I think? How do I feel about this? Do I feel that I have done the right thing by me, by my emotional well-being, by my own standards, by my own integrity? Because that's what we're standing for, right? But just because it doesn't fit in with somebody else's needs doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand for it anyway. 
always stand up for what is true for you. Always stand up for for your values and for what is integral to you as a woman because you're with you for the rest of your life. You're always going to be there. So that relationship needs nurturing more than anything else. And this is what I say to my kids all the time. And I do tell myself this, you don't know what people think. You are never going to know what people think. Even if they tell you, they might not be telling the truth. You are never going to know. So behaving in a way that tries to control what they think is completely pointless because you're mm-hmm. never going to know. And you, you don't have any control over that. So you might as well behave and act how you feel is the right way. And that's actually so freeing, isn't it? Once you have really accepted, like you say, you really don't know what people are thinking of you, then you might as well just let it all go and, yeah. and do the do the thing. But you mentioned a word just then was values. And I think so many of us can stroll through life and not actually even know what we stand for yes. and what our values are and that word integrity. And we get Maybe as we're getting older, maybe as we're getting more awakenings, you know, such as having an ADHD diagnosis, which is explaining basically the whole back history of your whole life. And I know this from the messages I'm getting and from the women I'm working with, that suddenly they've got a new level of understanding of their behavior, their mental health struggles, their challenges, the way they learn, the way they do things, the way they parent, like every facet of their life it's all it's like the lights are suddenly going on in wow yeah I just got shivers as you said that incredible and it is incredible and it's almost like the next chapter it's like the before diagnosis after diagnosis so now it's working with a new set or not even a new set like a new new way of thinking which is values based and like you say it's authenticity integrity honesty um self-trust like all of these things but all of these things that we're not taught the conversation is not open for us to do that it is more so for men and I discuss this with my husband a lot he is not taught to not say what he thinks because when he says what he thinks when he stands up for what he believes it's considered assertive which is a good thing in society when I do that it's considered aggressive, which is a bad thing for a woman in society. So the narrative around it is totally different. And what we have to do and what we are starting to do is change that narrative. And we can only do that by, like I said before, being disruptive, being courageous, and really just doing the really scary thing, which is not the likable thing, not the agreeable thing, but actually living your life for you. And that is actually really radical. It's like a radical act to do that. So this work isn't easy, whether it's before diagnosis, after diagnosis, or if you don't have a diagnosis at all. It is always hard, isn't it, Kate? Because we've been doing this for a few years now. It's always scary, but it is always exhilarating. Hi, everyone. So I know I'm not the only woman with ADHD who really does need their sleep but often struggles to either fall asleep or just stay asleep. And much to my husband's frustration, very often, I have all sorts of rituals to help me get to sleep better, which include a bedside table full of different sleep sprays, earplugs, magnesium tablets and essential oils. However, the most important element for me to getting a good night's sleep has always been my bedding, especially my pillows. 
And yet there's something new that I've been trying, which has been a real game changer in helping calm my anxious mind and really settle my body in for a good night's sleep. And this is the Silent Night Wellbeing Weighted Blanket. And wow, I am definitely a convert now. So the Silent Night Wellbeing Weighted Blanket has been designed to calm and ease stress and anxiety, and it's got a deep touch pressure stimulation. And this is something occupational therapists have been using for ADHD for years and have reported really positive results. So the weighted blanket can help to relax the nervous system by giving this gentle sensation of being hugged and easing you into a deep and restful sleep. And just wrapping yourself in the blanket increases happy hormones and decreases stress to improve our mood, which so many of us need. So the blanket's weight comes from thousands of natural glass beads stitched within and it creates an even spread of gentle, soothing pressure. And the weighted blankets are available in three different weights, starting from three kilograms, which is for children, then 6.8 kilograms and then nine kilograms. And this whole well-being collection of weighted blankets, amazing pillows is available at sleepypeople.com. So as I mentioned, there's lots of other well-being bedding options on sleepypeople.com. And this includes a silent night well-being cool touch pillow, which is just so cooling, especially if you're going through perimenopause or menopause. They've got a well-being lavender scented pillow, which is just gorgeous because lavender can help you fall asleep. They've got a well-being copper pillow, a silent night well-being rebalance pillow and duvet set and a silent night well-being weighted eye mask, which I've tried and absolutely love. And they really understand how busy life can be. So they've made it as easy as possible with this fantastic range of different pillows and duvets and weighted blankets so we can really just optimise our sleep. So I want you to head to sleepypeople.com and you can get 10% off the whole Silent Night Wellbeing collection. That's sleepypeople.com and you need to type in CALM10, that's C-A-L-M-10, for 10% off the full Silent Night Wellbeing collection. I will put all the details in the show notes, but that's sleepypeople.com and use the code calm 10 for 10% off the full Silent Night Wellbeing collection. And now back to this week's conversation. What you're describing then is what I wanted to ask you about the involvement of how your career has panned out. We have sort of just saying before about the transition from being a hairdresser into coaching, into like the course that you did and how your coaching has now transitioned. And now you've got this amazing podcast that you're doing with a co-host and you're doing things that you possibly, you know, wouldn't have dreamed of a couple of years ago. But how did you find that courage to really step out of that comfort zone? Because again, listeners will really resonate with this because I see that you're multi-passionate. You've got these different facets of your career, what you're doing. It all comes back to, I guess, probably one of your values, which is feeling, wanting to feel fulfilled and driven, ambitious. Yeah. But that again, being ambitious and driven and wanting to achieve can also be seen as aggressive and too assertive as a woman and like stay in your lane, you're a mom, oh, you know what? Yes. You're in your forties, you know, this is all of the, this narrative. So how have you managed to contend with all these different things that I've just mentioned about the multi-passionate career 
and really stepping out of your comfort zone and, and delving into this new world of podcasting and speaking to some really high profile people? Well, it's not been smooth. It's been amazing and I don't regret any of it. And I'm very proud of how hard I've worked to get where I am. But people have you filed in a certain way. So when I suddenly stepped from being a hairdresser into a coach, people didn't want to update that file. They still want to see me as a hairdresser. But I'd done this amazing course. I'd been transformed from the inside out. And I did feel very different. And I think I was showing up. I was showing up very differently. I was louder. I was voicing my opinions. I was, it was probably really messy at first. But people don't like that because they get comfortable with you being a certain way. But the trick is that I'm not living for them. I'm not living for what your comfort is. I'm living for my life and what's important to me. And that word again, values and integrity was at the core of all of it. Like what is valuable to me? What's important to me? What's fulfilling to me? Running my hairdressing salon was great. And it has been, I had an amazing career and I've had my own business for many years, but it wasn't fulfilling me in the same way that it used to. And the coaching just filled me up. It's about following the energy, the good energy, the things that give you joy, the things that make you feel alive, the things that scare the absolute crap out of you. It's following all of that because I kind of couldn't get off of it because then the thought of just going back to my hair salon and just, I don't mean just being a hairdresser, but just going back to my old way or my old life, it just didn't feel enough. Mm. And then there was all that guilt of, well, it should be enough. You're running your own business. You've got a healthy family. Like, why do you need more? There was all that noise around. And actually, it's okay to want more. It's great to want more. If I am the same person today that I am in two years' time, then what have I been doing? What what's been going on for two years? What have I been doing for two years? That's It's boring. I always want to be growing and evolving. But for a long time, I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the thing is, is that the guilt wasn't stopping me from doing it. I just had this sort of heavy weight on my back whilst I was doing it. I felt guilty for all of my lovely, gorgeous life not being enough. And to all the people that think that, because I coach so many women on this, when they're like, no, I'm really grateful and I know I should be happy, but something just feels like it's missing. Like they feel guilty for it. Well, a man wouldn't feel guilty for going after what he wants. So why do we? Because we're taught to stay small, we stay polite, be the domestic goddess, be the person that just provides for everybody else and the carer, but actually don't want for things for yourself. But I think this podcast that you're doing now and the podcast that I do is such a lovely way to show that it's really important to live your full life, however that looks. And whether that's being a full-time mum or whether that's having a full-on career or whether it's something very much in between, then I say whatever it is that fills you up, whatever it is that gives you energy in life, whatever it is that makes you feel whole as a woman, follow that. Mm. And what you're saying is there's so much duality in it, isn't there? Because we might have all these ambitions and desires and we're moving up and evolving, but then we kind of contrast with the family life and there is going to be the burnout and there's going to be the exhaustion and there's going to be the overwhelm of like, what am I doing? Why am I taking on so much more? But like you said, it's that energy, isn't it, inside that where we just keep kind of being magnetized towards that thing that fills us up. So throughout my kind of involvement in my career, I've definitely felt like 
why am I doing this? Why am I complicating everything? Everything's fine. You know, if you, you could just be, you know, stay at home mum and do a bit of kind of freelance PR on the side, which is what I was doing. But this very deep, visceral desire to learn and to evolve and to, I don't know, sort of a spiritual thing, maybe, to get to the next place was there. So I've kind it's of... It's a calling, embraced, isn't yeah. it? It's a calling. There's something deep inside your soul, which is hard to explain until you experience it. But there is something. And sometimes it's a little tiny quiet voice that comes up every now and then and you shove it down. You're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm happy. I've got everything I need. And then it starts to get louder and louder and louder until it's screaming, until you're then suddenly not sleeping so great, or you suddenly feel a bit anxious, or you're a bit out of sorts, or you just feel really not yourself, because something is missing. Yeah. And very often, again, I'm going to go back to women who are having this realisation that what they've been struggling with throughout their life is ADHD, that all of a sudden they do want to go to that place. They do want, maybe they want to start a new job, they want to study again, they want to begin the career that they were told 20 years ago that wasn't right for them. But the guilt creeps in and tells us that we shouldn't and we should just stay in our lane and stay where we are. But I think that voice, that quiet voice just gets louder and louder to the point where something sometimes quite catastrophic happens, whether it's our health, our mental health, relationships but it comes out somewhere right doesn't it and it either and it always comes in a form of physically it will affect you because that's a stress that's weighing on you emotionally and spiritually so you're not going to be aligned and at ease with yourself are you so whether that's suddenly you're not sleeping so well or whether it's suddenly you're having mild panic attacks or you're having more arguments than you used to or you just feel irritable there will always be signs so if you are not feeling well within yourself and what I mean by that is at peace or contented or happy then look within dig deep and ask yourself what is going on and it can be like these moments of like you used before those light bulb moments of oh my god I didn't realize that was going on for me but now I get to change it or now I get to create something different yeah that's incredible and that just gift of awareness is takes you to the next step and you don't have to know what the next step is after the the first step it's just like let's climb that first rung of the ladder we don't need to see the top and let's just get there and just see oh god (laughs) people get so hooked on the how yes people get so hooked on the how that they don't they don't know how to move how to move forward okay well what do I do how do I do that it doesn't matter what do you mean? I've got to know, I've got to know how I can get out of this. How can I sleep better? How can I get rid of my anxiety? How can I know what this is about? It it will unfold itself. You just have to trust in the process. Like you said, that first stop is awareness and it's a gift. And just allow that awareness to bed in and just one foot in front of the other and it does all reveal itself. Hello. So I would just love to say a big thank you to all of you for reaching out recently with your really heartfelt messages and emails and reviews of the show. It's really blown my mind what's happened during the past two months since launching the podcast. And this has included helping me get onto the new and noteworthy section on Apple Podcasts and in the health and fitness charts as well. 
And what I'm actually hearing from so many of you is how needed this content is and how these conversations have been helping you so much to understand yourselves after all these years. And I really do get it. And if that is the case, I've got something you are going to find really helpful. I've created a free guide to support you before and during your diagnosis and beyond. So if you are waiting for an assessment or waiting for this diagnosis and just don't know where to begin and need some help sort of practical and emotionally I want to be able to give you this guidance so I've created a brilliant resource for anyone needing more help navigating the complex area of a new ADHD diagnosis and in the guide I've given you lots of tips including books to read and other podcasts to listen to so just head to my website which is coachingbykate.me.uk and you'll find it all there on the home page or just head to the show notes and I will put a link to it and please don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast because every single week I'm trying to get you the most topical conversations with some brilliant guests offering you lots of information about your new understanding on ADHD. So thank you again for joining me and let's get back to this week's conversation. And with regards to yourself and self-care, because the amount of episodes that you've done talking about self-care, what would you say for yourself, but also what have you learned on the podcast that self-care is such a term, isn't it? That's like bandied around yeah. and we can look at it from a very kind of baseline level of have a nice bath with some candles and that's self-care. Yeah. yeah. By the way, you... we've never done that on the show, just so you know. <laughs> but <laughs> now from being a self-care expert, what would you say is self-care to you? Oh, self-care is taking care of yourself. That is what that is. In its most basic terms but it is taking care of yourself with where you are in that moment so self your self-care is going to look different every day because some days you're going to wake up energized and you're going to want to go for a run or a long walk and some days you're going to wake up really tired and you're going to need that bubble bath with a candle and it doesn't matter what it is as long as you are having that again that awareness of where you're at and what it is you need and then allowing yourself to have it allowing yourself to actually look after yourself. And this is one of the things we hear so much through the show, that women don't know how to make the time for themselves to invest in self-care. And what we do on the show is we debunk the whole wellness world. We talk about what works and what really doesn't because we try it all out. And we all of our favorite practices of self-care are always free, as in they cost nothing, and the ones that take up very, very little time because we are all so time poor. So self-care doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be grand and it doesn't have to take five hours and it doesn't have to be going for a really expensive massage and coming back feeling really guilty that you've just spent that. That is not self-care. Self-care can be just sitting down for five minutes and breathing deeply because you've just been feeling really stressed. Self-care can be going to bed at 10 o'clock instead of half past 11 and putting your phone down early. Self-care can be really, really simple. Self-care is saying no. Self-care is not people-pleasing and standing up for what you believe to be right, back to integrity. So many beautiful things and it is so broad, which is why we are totally obsessed with self-care because it's an endless well. It really is. It really is. And again, I'm going to come back to the ADHD sort of format of, of 
maybe not understanding what we need. Sometimes what happens is we work on, it's almost like a juggernaut of um, hyper-focus, crazed energy, and we're doing, 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 and then we get to a point and it's almost like we're running and we just run slap bang into a brick wall. So we don't wow. slow down. We don't <laughs> kind of like get to a point where we kind of like do a bit of breathing and then stop and stretch. Like there's none of that. It's like full on like pegging it through a brick wall. And then we have to collapse for like a day. Like we just have to go to bed. And it has a really big impact on your nervous system. So that's when very often anxiety is just there kind of bubbling away low-lying anxiety where the sleep kind of comes in where we're not eating correctly we're going to bed too late yes it's very much like this knock-on effect well let's can we talk for a minute about the five pillars of wellness Mm -hmm. five pillars of health right the most important parts of your health have got to be in place before you even start with the bubble baths and the candles and the breathing The five pillars are, and this is one of the main things that we've learned on the show, right? The five pillars are sleeping, hydration, movement or exercise, meditation or just mindfulness, and nutrition. So those five things are really all you need to work on in your life in order to live from a place of wellness. And often the two that are most neglected are sleep and food. And they are the absolute fundamentals of your health. No matter what is going on in your life, you will always have access to shoving a banana in your mouth or drinking a glass of water. Because so often it's like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time to make lunch. I don't. Well, it's not about you don't have to. You have to make time. Because if you're not feeding your body, you are no good for anybody, whether it's your boss at work, whether it's your kids, your husband, your friends, you are, you have got to prioritize those five things in your life in order to live. It's not even live well, it's just, just to live. Mm. What you said about the hydration, I think that's such a big thing. I mean, I grew up with my mum, this is funny actually because it was kind of like a family joke that she was obsessed with this all being dehydrated I don't know if it's like a Jewish mother (laughs) thing but like (laughs) it was it was not like us you know not eating properly it was you're gonna dehydrate you're gonna dehydrate and she's given that to me so I'm always always like drinking but I now do that with my kids but I don't do it from a, a bodily perspective of like you're going your body and your kidneys and your liver is going to dehydrate I notice that the mood regulation thing so if I don't drink enough water I'm so much snappier and more irritable my patience levels are so much lower and I see that with my one of my daughters especially who for whatever reason refuses to drink properly at school and so I then deal with like a demon child when she finishes school and she won't have drank enough water and I see that her lips are all dry and I, the first thing I do is like try and get juice, water, whatever I can down her so I can actually have a conversation with her because otherwise her emotions are just completely all over the place. But I notice that so much for myself. And, and I think it's just one of those things that women think, oh, it's okay, I'll just have a Diet Coke, I'll have a coffee, I'll have a cup of tea. And they don't realize the importance of just drinking a big glass of water, just especially if you're feeling really stressed or you're not sleeping properly it can be just sometimes just be the answer to a, a lot of stuff that's going on. Well, I mean, I'm a migraine sufferer. So if I don't drink 
at least two to three litres of water a day, I am struggling. So in a way, that's also been a little bit of a gift because it's forced me to hydrate myself properly. And often it's just the excuses of what people make. Oh, I don't have time or, oh, I, I don't like water. Well, learn to like it because it's yes. an integral part of your health. <laughs> you know, you cannot yeah. live well. You won't sleep if you don't drink. All these things have the most enormous knock-on effect on sleep. So here's the interesting thing. Here's something that we've learned through all of our research as well. Sleep is the most important part of your wellness. So those other four things, the exercise and nutrition, the mindfulness and the hydration, even if they are in place, if you are not sleeping properly, you will feel rubbish. You will not function properly. You will not have clarity of mind. You will not be able to concentrate. You will not have any energy. But those four things play an enormous factor in how you sleep. It's incredible. Yeah. And as Dr. Chatterjee says, a good night's sleep begins the minute you open your eyes in the morning. And yeah. I love that because every choice that you're making throughout the day is going to aid your sleep. And your sleep is the fundamental part of your health. Absolutely. I mean, I literally couldn't agree more because I notice again for myself that if my sleep's been compromised and I definitely hormonally see a cycle going on, I sleep really well in the first two weeks of my cycle and then towards my period, my sleep definitely dips and everything from there dips. I'm, I know that my focus, yeah. my clarity, my mood. So I'm nearly at the end of my cycle and to the past few nights, I've not slept well. I've been up in the night, you know, for about an hour, just tossing and turning and I can feel it. I just feel it in my energy. And so yeah. what you said about everything has to start from the beginning, from when we wake up, is so important because the first thing a lot of people do when they wake up is check your phone, check your diary, schedules, kids out the door, race, race, race. Yeah. Like you're basically on a like a stopwatch for the whole day, aren't you? Of how much shit can I get done? How much can <laughs> I achieve? What, you know, like can I tick all the, and then actually yeah. the fundamental. Can I empty the dishwasher whilst my porridge yes. is cooking? That, yeah, yeah, all yeah. that sort of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a race against time from the minute we wake up and then we get to the end of the day. And I wonder how many of us have actually focused on those five pillars where they have been the priority and we try and hopefully fit all the other stuff in around that. So we've got more balance in our life when we've got more calm, all the things that we need because there's so many people that are listening here maybe running their own businesses and maybe hugely ambitious for their careers but they're being held back because they're not monitoring their lifestyle and actually one of those pillars I, I feel like there's another pillar that needs to be added to those five pillars and that is connection of nice. being around people that are like-minded people that you can trust that you like you know conversations like this where you just feel like you're in flow and, and and you're learning from each other. And that is really, really important. So we could be doing all of those things, but we're not connecting with people that we actually want to be connected with and we feel authentic. And going back to women who are just discovering they've got ADHD, they're suddenly going on these Facebook groups. They're meeting women through support groups or chatting online or listening to podcasts like this. And they're suddenly realizing they've found their tribe. Yeah, tribe. Lovely. Yeah. And they suddenly feel understood, heard. This is what I'm hearing from my messages. You're making me feel understood. Finally, I'm I feel heard for the first time. Wow. And really I think powerful. that has yeah, I think that has a massive that should be definitely, you know, a six 
sixth pillar in self-care. Have you done anything on this on the Self-Care Club podcast? Well, interestingly, one of my favourite weeks of all time, we've done over 140 shows. I think it's coming up to 150 shows. Wow. And one of my favourite was, so what we do is we take a different practice every week and we try it out and, and report back on what works and what doesn't. And some of it's very tongue in cheek and some of it's really serious and some of it's really emotional and we cover it all. And I think my favorite week that we've ever done was a week of choir. And what I loved most about it was the community of choir. I was so moved by these people and how protective they are of each other, how respectful they are of each other and what they only bring to each other's lives was so moving and powerful. And the fact that they allowed us to be a part of that for a whole week, they even put us on the WhatsApp group. I was just blown away and then they make this beautiful sound together through their singing and actually I completely agree there is nothing more powerful than having your community of people and that doesn't mean it needs to be 50 people to make a community it could just be two and just as long as you have something in common which is what I love so much about the gym that I go to and by the way my self-care is not I never sit down and breathe and I never really meditate and I probably should and, you know, all the shoulds in the world, but that's just not what keeps me well. It's the fast paced stuff, just what you were saying, that it's getting out all of my energy and being around people that, that need that too, and that we can grow together and get stronger together and faster together. It's, it's very, very special and very, there's nothing more powerful than being with your tribe. Yeah. And I see that when you put uh, you, you're on Instagram a lot in the gym and you can really see that when you sort of say, I'm coming home, I'm coming back to the mothership, all of this. I like, I see the passion that comes through you when you're in that gym, you know, lifting the weights, doing the things that really boosts you and energizes you. But like you said, it's not just the activity of the exercise, which is obviously going to be beneficial but it's the people that you're doing it with and it's the connections that you've made and again so many of us can go through life without having this and then when we do have it it's like well how have I gone now this long without having this these group of people or these connections so tell me a little bit about the gym for you and how that makes you feel oh my god it's one of the greatest joys in my life And interestingly, when I first got into the gym, got into going to the gym, it was all built on the back of wanting to be smaller, wanting to be thin. It was all about what I looked like, all about what my getting a six pack, all of that nonsense. And so I became completely obsessed with the gym. I had probably slight disorder. Well, I did have slight disordered eating around it. And it became quite a negative force in my life because the thinner I got, my, you know, my period stopped, my mood was bad. I just felt depleted all the time because I wasn't looking after myself. Anyway, roll on years later, the gym now is about performance. It's about strengthening my body, strengthening my mind, knowing that I come out of every session, a better version of how I went in, knowing that I've always pushed myself. And I feel the pride that it's not about getting the six pack anymore and it's about something so much more fulfilling and whole and doing that with a group of women who I couldn't achieve half the stuff of what I achieve in that gym without those women around me and they would say the same because we push each other we encourage each other we compete with each other we banter with each other and it's just a very 
it's a very special environment and I've really worked for it. I've really worked to get my exercise routine to a place of being something very healthy in my life rather than something really negative. So along with all the goodness that it brings of just, you know, the normal exercise, which we all know why that's good for you, I just have immense pride around it. And some people in my life still don't understand that. And I totally get that because they remember that it really was a bad thing that took so much from me. But it only adds, it only adds to my whole lifestyle. And now I do it with my husband as well. So it's just, it's great fun. It's, and it's very challenging. And that's the bit that I love most about it is that it's not just the physical aspect of it. It's the mental aspect. Mm-hmm. It's the mental aspect of, my God, my body is exhausted, but come on, you've got two and a half minutes left. Just get it done. And noticing how that mental attitude, how that has aided me everywhere else in my life, because I've made myself mentally stronger because I've had to, because it's so unpleasant at times that actually I just feel st- so much stronger for it yeah there is a direct correlation isn't there between like you say like lifting weights and boosting our mental resilience our mental strength which probably had a massive correlation to how like you say how how your career has taken a trajectory as well yes yes absolutely Um, and I think a lot of coaches do that don't they we go in the direction of where we're passionate like yourself and like how I have and it's the best piece is And you probably hear this with your clients as well. It's the excuses, the excuses of why you can't do something, which feel very real because they are very real and they're very seductive. But actually, when I'm in the gym and the excuse of, well, I can't lift that because I'm tired and someone's saying lift it anyway, it teaches me to get out of that destructive mode of just making excuses for not stepping into the things that I want. We're so used to listening to our thoughts and thinking our thoughts are true. Like yes. what, we, what we think is true because we're, we're thinking it and that's reality. Well, actually, we can learn to not listen to our thoughts and think of a new way of thinking and recondition and relearn mindsets yes. and all of that, which is a whole other you know conversation. But what you're saying is you're lifting a weight that you believe that you can't lift. You're lifting it. So the belief now is actually I can do this. I can do these hard things. And you know, what's my what's her name? Amazing author that's got the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. Um Glennon Doyle. Glennon, amazing Glennon. You know, I love listening to that podcast because it is slowly steering that ship away from the beliefs and the thought patterns that we've lived with. That hold us back. Exactly. That hold us back. There was a girl next to me the other day. In, okay, it was in the gym. And my trainer got us both doing the same exercise. And we were both doing it. And she sat there saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And he's like, but you're doing it. You're actually sitting here doing it and telling me you can't do it. And that is very indicative of how how we are a lot in life. We just believe we can't do something. And a thought is only a belief. And then a belief becomes a behavior. But then it, well, we don't have to listen to them because they're not actually true. And we can rise above that. Yeah. And I think both of us probably going back to what I said, you know, at the beginning, it's like we wouldn't have believed where we are now having podcasts and doing really well. And there's no way, you know, three years ago, I would have thought that this would be the case. There's no way. And my thoughts wouldn't even go there. So I'm now seeing what's possible. I'm seeing that I've created a podcast that a lot of people are listening to and helping a lot of people which is now allowing me to 
think a little bit like further, like how can I expand? And I know that I wouldn't have thought like that three or four years ago. So, you know, I'm definitely still held back, I think, by my beliefs, but I'm working on it. I think we all are, aren't we? I think. But also, also to note, going back to what we were talking about with the how and how people can feel very stunted in terms of how to move into the next thing that they want. This has been one step after another for you, as it has been for me. I didn't go from just being a hairdresser to 150 episodes on a self-care podcast. It doesn't happen like that. It is one step, one foot in front of the other until the next step kind of reveals itself and then you step into that. It's not just an immediate thing and these things do take time and having that patience and that belief that you can get to the place that you want to get to, wherever that is. You don't even have to have that vision in mind, but it could just be just a different place to where you are now. Just one step at a time. I love that. Thank you for, you know, leaving us on such an inspiring note. And I know that your podcast will will and has been helping so many people. So can, I presume you can find it on all podcast platforms. Every, you yes, know, yeah, you we're can. Gonna, we'll put links in. Club. Yeah, brilliant. And, and where can people find you, Nicole, if they want to work with you or chat to you? Come find me on Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, or you can find me on my website, nicolegoodman.co.uk, and come listen to the show and see what you think. And also, as I always say, at the end of every one of my shows, and I'll say it here, take time for your self care. Fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. Honestly, I loved the way our conversation has gone. And if anybody wants to listen to our first conversation, which was about a year and a half ago on The Ambitious Mum, I will also put that in the show notes as well. So you can kind of maybe see, I can't quite remember what we talked about, but I reckon there'll be transitions that we've made from there to yeah. where we are now. So it might be quite interesting yeah. to see how we've both evolved as well. Um, yeah, Nicole, Thank you so much. I've really appreciated, love chatting to you as always. And um, hopefully one day we will actually meet and have a real coffee in, in real life. Walk our dogs. I know we, <laughs> we, need, we need a bottle of wine is what we need. That would yeah. be absolutely lovely. Thank you for having me. So that's today's episode done. Did what we talk about resonate with you? I really hope you found some takeaways that may inspire you to make some small changes that enhance your daily life and if you did find this episode insightful please do consider sharing it knowledge and awareness is power especially with adhd you can also head over to the show's instagram page which is adhd women's Wellbeing pod and join the community that's waiting for you there and if this episode really did strike a chord please do consider leaving us a review to enable more people who need to hear these conversations find the show Thanks so much for joining me today and see you next time.